Once again, I hope you're doing well today. I want to mention, if I have not already mentioned it, that we have several items, several opportunities coming up. There's going to be a, an online um, seminar just a Friday night and a Saturday morning on the theme, When Grace Comes in Disguise. That's going to be in March. In April, there's going to be a face-to-face seminar for three days on the theme, From Broken to Beloved. And then May, we'll see a seminar in Colorado on the formational prayer theme. And we'll do that again in June. If you're interested in any of these, I would encourage you to go on the Healing Care Ministries website. You'll find the information. Uh, It'll describe the events. It'll also give you an opportunity to sign up if you're interested in that. Dear Father in heaven, we come in the strong name of our Lord and Jesus, and we ask that your presence and your power would be with us. May your love go deep inside. May we be changed. May we be comforted. Give us guidance as we spend this time together today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a moment, I'm sure you have, when a memory just kind of leaked back into your conscious? Recently, a memory stepped out of the fog bank of my distant past, and something inside of me told me to pay attention. This memory, it, it, it was about a small country church in a village named Gastonville in western Pennsylvania. That's the church I went to when I was a boy. In my mind, I could see again the hard wooden pews. They were all in a semicircle around the pulpit area. And there was an altar rail around that pulpit that very much looked like a fence, as though it could keep sinners from getting close to the table of the Lord. I can still see this preacher in a black robe completing his very robust sermon. And always at the end, he had these words, you must be born again. It's at that point that the organist begins to play a song that, as memory serves me, was played at the end of every service that we ever attended. And as the organist played, the choir that was up in a choir loft would softly begin to sing the words, I surrender all. As those words were sung, men and women, many that I knew, even though I was a small boy, people from our little community would slide out of these creaking pews and make their way up front, and there they would kneel before the Lord. Sometimes there were tears. Often some would simply stand with their head bowed, doing their own business with God. You know, as I look back, I was probably seven or eight, and my mind didn't understand exactly what was happening, but I know that it was a holy moment. I saw these grown men with weathered faces and big hands that were as strong as granite ask the pastor to pray for them. There were women there that went up front to kneel in their best sundry dresses, and they would often pull out these very delicate, 
I guess it would be called needle-pointed handkerchiefs to wipe away tears from their eyes. I could watch their lips would be moving, but no sound would be emerging. But they were all the same offering sacred prayers to their Savior. The choir would sing those words, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence, daily live. These lyrics were written by a man named Judson W. Van Deventor, written in the 19th century. This guy had been a good artist. He wanted to spend his life being an artist, but he felt the tug of God and he began to wrestle with God's calling on his life. In the end, he submitted to what he believed God wanted him to do. He became a pastor. At that time, he sat alone in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine is very much in the news right now because of toxic waste being spilled from a train accident. But on that night, Judson was laying down desire, and he wrote those words, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. I guess this is on my mind a lot because I recognize that surrender is so foundational to my own journey of spiritual formation. Surrender is about entrusting, giving God the right to choose the path, helping us walk the way of Jesus, the way Jesus would walk the way. And ultimately, somewhere along this path, there will be a cross. And you know, what I found is that to surrender, I have to have a clearer vision of the nature of God because God is always the focal point of all of our surrender. If we must misunderstand the nature of God, the idea of surrendering can really be dicey. If, if there's a chance that you or I see God as a divine parent who is loving and harsh, giving and withholding, forgiving and punitive, slow to anger, but rather quick to punish, there will often be a very reluctant yes when surrender comes to play. I know for me, if, if I see God as capricious or judgmental or demanding, to say the words you choose just doesn't come easily. I'll live in this tension between knowing I need to surrender to the purposes of God and yet fearful that if I surrender, it may lead me to disappointment and pain. That's all part of our own vision of understanding who God is and his nature. I've come to believe that if there's even the slightest thought that God might not be trustworthy, I might offer God my all, but when I offer it, it'll be with a clenched fist. And I don't think God's in the business of trying to pry my fingers open like a parent would with a small child demanding that he put the quarter back in the jar.
I think surrender happens best for me when I understand the nature of God as love. You see, I think, I think this is right at the center of surrender. If I can believe that God is love and that whatever he's asking of me, even though it might be difficult, flows from love and ultimately will lead to love, it's going to be easier for me to surrender. So I'm, I'm in a place right now where there is a demand of surrendering. So I've been spending a lot of time meditating on what Scripture tells me about God's love, about the stories and the statements that point to the love of God. I was thinking back to the story of Adam and Eve in the fall and how they ran to hide from God, but yet it was love. If God is love, then it was love that sought them out. And that love clothed them. I mean, God even sacrificing something he had recently declared as good in order that their shame could be covered. I've been thinking about the fact that God tells Moses and Aaron to bless people that God saw as rebellious and disobedient. Love, given that God is love, would shine on them, would lavish them, would keep them, would turn toward them, would give them peace, and in the end write love's name on each and every one of them. What about the story that we see coming out of the Song of Solomon? It's all about a lover chasing the beloved, pursuing, loving, adoring, honoring. And of course, we come to the story of Jesus how God sends Jesus into the world because of love and how love always searches for me and searches for you just like a person who's frantically searching for a lost coin, a lost sheep, or a lost son. This, this is the nature of God. The writer of the Gospel of John, he, he really begins to emphasize the whole idea that it was love that sent Christ so that none of us would perish. And that same writer in his epistles bears witness to his own experience of love, reminding us that because of love, Jesus gave his life and that God, he loved us first before we ever thought of loving him. And why am I going here? Because I believe that if we can understand that love is driving our formation, that even behind the difficulty that we face, love is at work, that it will be easier for us to, to, sur for us to surrender to love. Because in surrendering to God, we are surrendering to love. I was thinking about that phrase, surrender to love. It has a double meaning. It means I need to surrender to the work that love is trying to do in my life, and then I need to surrender to becoming a representation of love in order that I can better serve a broken world. I want to be filled with love. And it's interesting that, yeah, love is 
relational and it is experiential and it is very formative. But love also is at work every day through the challenges we face and if we can surrender to love. God begins to do a very deep work inside of us. I have a friend who's prayed for me for 25 years. That's a real gift. And when she started praying for me, she would pray this prayer, may God touch me at a cellular level. I'd never heard such a prayer as that, and I began to kind of tease her about it, and I have teased her about it for years. Yet recently, (laughs) science kind of proved her right. Apparently, in each of the 30 trillion cells that make up my body, there is these, these mitochondria, these forces of energy that affect my well-being, my ability to turn back to homeostasis. It's the power within every cell. I've got to admit, I like thinking about the fact that part of what God's up to is to place in every cell in my being his love. So it's his love that is forming me, and it is his love that is moving through me as I begin to reach out to serve other people. And so in this season, there is a clear sense that God is up to something and I need to be willing to surrender. So I go back to my memory. I guess I'm to make those sacred steps up up to the altar again and kneel there and say before the Lord of the universe, as much as I understand, I do surrender all. Because in surrendering all, I surrender all to your love. I am pretty sure relative to the journey that I'm taking, that there are aspects of this all that I'm not clear on and may unfold in the days, the weeks, the months, the years to come ahead. But I think it's still important for me to remember that in surrendering to God, I am surrendering to love. And speak those words from that song. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. God bless you.